out your stereo. All right, everybody. Here we are. Sugar Me the Mooney, episode 50. 50. The big 5 Damn, yeah. 50 years old. Mm-hmm. Uh, Friday, April 30th, 2021. Uh, nice out there. It's getting nice in our neck of the woods. Um, we're going to talk about a lot of things uh, spring-related with sports. A lot mm-hmm. of things happen. Uh, speaking of sports, uh, the local postman just dropped this off for me. Weed the Garden. Yeah, buddy. Shout out to Dolan J. Trump. President. He gave me uh, an actually signed. Yeah, signed. This is classy. This is class all the way. Class all the way. Yeah, Make the Knicks buddy. great again. And since we last spoke to you, uh, Knicks had a hiccup. I mean, you saw from the beginning that it was one of those games where it was, you know, wasn't going to happen, but they still didn't get blown out. They stuck to the end. Yeah, man. And it was good. To, a, it was good to see. Yeah, it was good to see. Top, uh, yeah. A top, West, top Western team. Um, Chris Paul, who yeah. was a bit of a polarizing character. I mean, a polarizing person um, in the offseason because he was one of the names brought up and um, with Russell Westbrook and stuff like that. And, I, you know, he, he you knew Oklahoma City was going to trade him because, you know, it kind of took him on the previous year, ironically, to facilitate um, moving Russell Westbrook. Uh, so, you know, he had to, he, he was going to be on the move again. And the Knicks were one of the teams that were in, like, you know, talked about and, it, it was it was a um very polarizing thing because he's getting up there in age. He has an expensive contract, but the one thing about Chris Paul is everywhere he goes to, he con- he he contributes. He's seemingly ageless. Like he's done a great job in in Phoenix. Um, and you know we 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 fought until the end. We actually had like a couple of leads. Mm-hmm. um throughout the game but um you know things didn't work out and that's how it is sometimes all right so this is just cool to have you know uh memento uh because i got my i got my first shot the vaccine shot since our last episode i got it on saturday mm-hmm. uh right where the uh oh yeah we should also mention that even though they lost to phoenix we came right back and beat chicago our next game is sunday night against houston so that's probably like the worst team in the league, the mm. proverbial trap game. But hopefully, you know, our guys have like risen to the occasion like all season. So we'll see how that goes Sunday. But yeah, um, Mike, Mike's got his vaccine now. Let's let's mm. hear his story. Yeah, it was cool. It's I got it where uh, actually where the Westchester Knicks play. Well, they would be playing normally, mm-hmm. Westchester County Center. So that was cool. I got to see. Uh, you know, got to perform, you know, like where everyone else does. Well, the, I'm a big wrestling fan, as we'll talk about in this episode. Uh, I, the way I went in was where Bobby Heenan got tossed out back in 93. So, uh, of course, in my sick head, I, I instead of equating it to all, oh, I'm going to get the vaccine. I'm, gonna, I'm doing, you know, finally got this thing that could save my life. But I'm too worried about thinking about Monday Night Raw from 93. So that's that's how my mind works. But, yeah, uh, <laughs> I, um, it's interesting you, you said that because, and that's where you – had your vaccine because I also have my vaccination in White Plains at my mom's job. And we actually had to pass the Westchester um, Center. And I saw people outside online for the vaccination also there. So it was great that, 
you know, the vaccination is, um, is, is prevalent and it's available. I think uh, for one, uh, Mayor de Blasio has announced that he, they're planning on fully reopening uh, the city by July 1st. So, you know, if, ever, if everybody gets their vaccinations and stuff, um, you could, um, if everybody gets their vaccinations, you should be able to, you know, uh, participate in a lot of the things you usually participate in the summer. Like, I, I want to get back to Yankee Stadium. Um, another thing is the CDC says that now uh, vaccinated people, you know, don't really have to wear a mask except for indoor gathering, you know, indoor places and when they're around large groups of people. So it kind of started like I started like a shitstorm with my family group chat because right now my family, my media family, three quarters of our household is vaccinated. But my other immediate family that doesn't live with us, they're not um, vaccinating or they're, they're um, apprehensive about vaccinating. So we had like a little um, long discussion in the group chat. But, you know, my thing is, even though the CDC says you shouldn't, you, you know, I don't have to, I don't have to wear a mask. Mike also doesn't have to wear a mask. Like, our personal choice, I mean, I'm, I'm saying for me, I don't know about you, Mike, but my family's personal choices, we're still going to wear them because at the end of the day, nobody knows that you're vaccinated and you don't want to give people who aren't vaccinated and still um, susceptible to the disease, um, you know, free reign to say like, all right, well, I don't care. I'm not getting vaccinated, so I don't need to wear a mask. Um because, you know, people, as we've seen over the past year now, um, you know, people have been like shit for brains. Yeah, like in the last, uh, I guess from like the fall to like a month ago, like 99% of the people I saw, I like encountered, they had a mask on. But then like a month ago, and I work in the food industry. So about a month ago, people uh, come in, they wear the mask and then they'll take it off and they'll, they'll eat. Mm. Uh, and it's kind of a vague gray area now. Uh, so that's been going on for like a month and now like I keep mine on all the time. Um, you know, like why not? Um, but I noticed that a lot of people aren't wearing it. Like in, even in an open area, it's still a public open area. Let's say it's like a mall. Mm -hmm. I noticed that like half the people aren't wearing it. Oh, they just have it like around their neck and stuff like that. And, but they're eating, but they're eating a pretzel. So like, what do you say? Or call it chin diapers. <laughs> yeah. It's like, but how, like, how do you say, oh no, but I'm eating now. Like, you know, it's like that. Mm -hmm. uh, so it's a vague it's a very gray area still but i'm keeping mine on um because i only got one shot but um i figure yeah, you, like, you gotta get a second dose right yes i'll have mine in um like two weeks tomorrow yeah well i don't know how your um the vaccination i sure you got like i got the john you know as i said mm -hmm. the last couple of weeks i got the johnson and johnson which is the one shot which had that little pause um and they've unpaused it so it's available again but my it said within 28 days about the 28 days you should have like peak vaccination so ironically you know i'm a big ass star wars fan like the day is um the day that i should be peak vaccine reach peak vac vaccination is 
May the 4th, you know, Star Wars Day, May the 4th be with you. Uh, so by that day, I, I, should, I don't know, maybe that's the day, like, you know, I'm, I'm going to feel like I got, like, you know, I'm invulnerable, but I will still be wearing my mask. I will be wearing my Weed the Garden mask. Mm-hmm. Um, hey, maybe one day we'll get this signed by uh, James Dolan. <laughs> okay, that's that would be like the ultimate. But hey, can you sign us real quick? Uh, at a jazz, I, I like like a jazz performer, you know, a fan. Uh, anyway, but um, yeah, you probably of, see it and just think it's like a, a Knicks mask or something. He'll still sign it. Uh, what do you call it? Um, speaking of May the 4th, all right, so every May, you know, that's like a tradition the last like decade pretty much. And then t- today, you see the uh, it's gonna be May, Justin mm-hmm. Timberlake. We're getting back to normal, guys. We're getting back to normal. NFL draft was the you know last night, um, or the other night. Um, so things are getting you know like we're getting ready for the uh, the fall, like the sports and everything. Uh, the thing that isn't usual is uh, our Yankees. We're gonna talk about that too mm-hmm. uh, in this episode. Uh, we'll get into that after. Uh, anything else, uh, Shake? You want to talk about this episode? Our 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 celebratory fiftieth episode. Yeah, man. So. For this episode, you know, every episode that we've done has been broken into different segments. So today we actually have one, you know, planned out segment. Uh, last week we did Stone Cold Steve Austin, his episode of a Biography. This week we're going to do Roddy Piper's, which aired um this past sunday and give our thoughts on that and actually that one i think we we have a lot more um we we got like a lot more to say about it um but every but we're gonna try something different because last week i was editing the episode and like you know i look at like the the time on it and the Derek Chauvin verdict, like that one, I looked at it and I was like an hour and a half. And then the Stone Cold Steve Austin one, it was about 40 minutes. So I was like, wow. But you know, the thing about it is like, you know, if you haven't listened to last week, give it a listen. The thing about it is I use the thing uh, Mac says in, uh, it's always Sunday in Philadelphia when he's talking about the, um, the stenographer at, at their at the trial and he's like you know um him and frank are having like a back and forth of like is she typing down everything and then he's you know frank's like no she's getting a gist and he's like <laughs> it's a gist yeah and he's, yeah. Uh-huh. he's like well i don't like to be paraphrased i refuse to be paraphrased because i choose my words deliver very deliberately mm-hmm. and you know that's what it was last week and that, that's why um you know a lot of you guys you know pe- people who listen in that like they jump in and out um of listening because some days you could look at it and be like oh like this this episode was like almost three hours long like i don't wanna but the thing is like when we talk about like these topics like me mike formerly joel like we get in on these things and it's um we're very passionate about it we have a lot to say and even when i'm editing the episode or when i'm editing the videos or mike's editing the videos like it's a lot um it's very hard to cut stuff out because we all um not to sound like you know narcissistic but we all make like very 
um solid and valid points because sometimes i'm listening to myself and i'm like i don't even realize i said all of that yeah. so um not being said last week's episode we had a lot to say about chauvin's trial because he you know it, it, it was um basically consuming us for past couple of weeks and it, it's off it's it's things that are you know very prevalent in today's society and we're going to talk a little bit about racism and america confronting its racism because it seems like it's like a recurring theme um in our country's history and in our country's future and if we don't talk about it it's going to change so we're going to talk about you know uh tim rice no tim scott who is the state senator uh republican black man he had a lot of things to say in rebuttal to um president biden's speech to the joint houses and kamala harris actually had something to say in response and both of them were kind of like alike um which is um weird especially both of them being of african descent so we're going to talk about that for a little bit so this first um hour or so we're just going to talk about like a couple of different topics for about 10 15 minutes um i, I, I expressed the idea to mike to kind of like change it up and do it a little bit more free-flowing and organic where we just talk about stuff for a little bit and um because it didn't have anything specific for us to talk about like at length and i don't know if people were tired of it so we're gonna try something new and see how it catches on but mike we're gonna do this and then we're gonna do uh roddy piper and we'll talk about that for a good long bit right with uh the last week with the uh the trial uh yeah of course the topic name is derek chauvin like but that leads to that's that stems off to so many different topics that's why we talked for so long it's not just we're talking about that specific thing um and like the same with now like we're gonna be talking about biden so like the uh, speech to congress um right so we're going to talk about biden's speech and then we're going to talk about because then we have the response from tim scott then we have the dueling response from conservatives and progressives uh on tim scott's response to biden so mm-hmm. it's not it's like it's like that whole response to thing. responses to responses yeah and, and then then responses get, to those responses and then we respond to the tweets and all that um <laughs> uh yeah i mean um what was that wednesday um i mean of course like the, the in today today's I world i didn't get to see any of it live because yeah the next one and the yankees one so it was on Twitter though, like it mm-hmm. was on like if you clicked on it, they had it streaming. So you know, I always have my Batcave going. Yeah. I have my Michael Keaton '89 Batman. I have all the TV screens going. Uh, I was watching everything I wanted to watch. Um, I got the gist of it. I got the gist of everything. <laughs> but uh, no, but the, the especially today with social media, um, like I'm trying to look up a new thing that just came out today, but it's a paywall. So now I'm I'm dealing I'm rela- relying on people's tweets that I can't trust them. So I'm not even gonna bring up the topic, but. Again, if you go with social media, the iconic thing from the night was Biden speaking, and then you had uh, Pelosi and Harris like behind her. So that was like the iconic like visual. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you had like a lot of things that Biden was talking about. Well, I'll just say like the um, uh, I jotted down. 
you know, basically because it's, you know, it's to Congress. So the day before or a couple of days prior, they passed uh, a bill in the House. So now Biden was uh, trying to it was like urge Congress for uh, curbing gun violence. Uh, there was another one for uh, equal pay, a new Equal Pay Act. That was that's already passed in the House, but now it's on the next step, Congress. And that's things we've been talking about for decades. Uh, and then, of course, we talked about it earlier with the COVID. Uh, he was talking about like the success and the continued uh, urging of America to continue with the campaign of a full vaccination. Um, and then another thing that I always talk about too is like bolstering the middle class. So that was like kind of like the main things. Uh, if you if you watch the highlights, because uh, I I always talk about this too. There's a great documentary about it called Park Ave. That like you have like the super super wealthy and then you have people living paycheck to paycheck and like there's that gap is completely like it's it's like it's getting wider and wider uh yeah so what, what did you think about the biden what, first off was what biden said like would you uh would you guys uh, yeah i didn't even really actually hear um much of anything biden says i think like the one thing um is funny as hell because his first hundred days in office is like kind of like been without scandal, and it seems like uh, a breath of fresh air because, like, you know, before uh, the last president, like, you didn't really, there really wasn't, you know, like this um air of I, what, what is he going to do today? Like, what is he going to say today? What kind of stuff is going to come out? And like Joe Biden is really, um, back to like normalcy. Um, like the most critical thing, like people have been like nitpicking is like when he wears his mask and when he doesn't wear his mask, ex, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but it, it, it hasn't been thing. But he 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 talked he he had a lot of like talking points. Um at this point, like I'm kinda like looking more towards um actions um rather than gestures. So let's see what happens there. Yeah, like you can say everything you want. Uh and again, like the like the imagery, that's all well and good, but if things aren't actually put into effect, like it's just like a empty gesture, you know. Um yeah, that's that's what I got from Biden's thing. Uh, and going back with like the previous administration it was like it was like a Super Bowl feeling for the normal like Monday morning uh, White House speech because you didn't know if he was going to get kicked if you're going to he was going to kick half the people out. Like it was a, it was a sideshow, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah. we have that distraction out. I mean, in the last week, I think maybe last week or even this week, uh, uh, Trump was on like Fox News and he was like. I got like flashbacks. I was like, "Oh shit!" <laughs> like, like, just like the, you know, I was like, "Oh my god!" And then th- last week with the Oscars, uh, I, I, I couldn't tell like if it was like he's like shitting on like he released it for the newest Academy Awards. Like, who cares? Like, it's it's like so like such a distraction. It's so annoying that uh, uh, you know, we have so much other things to talk about, but he crept back in. Uh, uh, he, he didn't last a hundred days out of office, but you know, we had to deal with it again for a little bit on social media. Yeah. Uh, I mean, there's always things people say about Biden. He's been around for like same with Pelosi, like decades and decades. Um, so that's the things that people are they bring up things from his past. Um, but that could, could be he's been there for half a century, you know. And, and you know, but at least he's 
he's there now and like and the things are moving forward mm-hmm. um yeah so of course it's tradition that they would have a rebuttal even like the other party will, will let's say it's like you know biden's uh, democrat so then when you have the republican response uh that's that's tradition mm-hmm. that's a tradition and this time it was tim scott tim scott and uh, uh what's her name again from also the carolinas uh nicole haley, haley nikki haley yeah i remember like in the last couple of years they always these two uh republicans are always talked about that they're trying to like put into the forefront yeah because they're gonna like push them because you know they have melanin uh, which a lot of republicans don't you know have well we're gonna do that too but tim scott's uh he had a 15 minute rebuttal uh did you watch that or did you you read it right okay pieces of it okay so uh it's pretty much the same talking points that nikki haley had too after um i think one of the other uh, state, states of the union uh but it was the america is not a racist country like that's that's like the talking point that they always um they always bring up if you it, you remember that from like last couple of years they always bring that up mm-hmm. we talked about it on our show in this in the summer oh yeah it was during the gop convention yeah that's that's where it was from with nikki we talked about it uh, earlier on um you know yeah like so like uh tim scott was basically saying that like Liberals are using uh, racism as a weapon to they're just weaponizing uh, racism. That's like one of the first talking points. What do you think about that? Well, I think like for, first of all, I want to the point or the the main um, the main thing you got out of um, him and Kamala Harris was this: America is not a racist co- country. And, you know, both of them obviously had different, um, went different ways with it. Like, you know, that was a starting point and then, you know, danced around it, you know, however they wanted. But it's just like, you know, look at it this way. America is a racist country. Like, would you call Germany today in 2021, like an anti-Semitic country? No, because you know, they confronted their past and they dealt with it. And people who still live in our country and feel that type of way, they're also, they're correctly ostracized and um, basically, you know, put, you know, shamed out of public existence. As a matter of fact, I believe like if you have, you're, like in Germany, like Nazi um, paraphernalia or, um, anything of that nature is like actually like illegal i think like mm-hmm. you actually could go to jail oh um, absolutely yeah my, yeah, my yeah. brother went there a decade ago uh my in-laws uh they have they're like first like second generation first generation germany german mm-hmm. uh and of course germany has changed too like it used to be you know it's it's a, it's an ethnicity too germany it's not just a um, nation so mm-hmm. they're all they're all over europe uh, but in the prop in, G- in Germany, the the last thirty years since they uh, the federal like the, when they left the Soviet Union and everything they they uh, reunited, they consider like I'm I'm just generally speaking, but they consider that a different country. Like they consider that like oh, and then when the, like Nazi Germany is a completely different thing to them. Mm-hmm. Uh, in America, we are we embrace like the past and like you know we like. It's more of I don't know how to describe it, but they, 
the people that my brother spoke to, they consider that like different, like different people and like a different, mm-hmm. like, it's completely separate past. Uh, and then in America, like, you know, we, especially back, I remember like the Civil War was such like people, like the Ken Burns documentary, people like romanticize it, mm-hmm. Gone with the Wind, they romanticize it, like, um, and now we're, con- we're talking about it because like you can't, rom- you can't like, if you think about it fondly, you know, like you miss it. It's like romanticizing something that's and I'm glad terrible. You, you know? And I'm glad you brought that up because that actually brings me to my next point about Germany. Like if I've been to Germany, mm-hmm. um, I went one um, my senior year in high school, part of a school trip. We went to um, Austria and Germany. So we went to um, Dachau, which is a concentration camp, which they kept up as a reminder of the things they did um, or, or the things in their country's history that they're ashamed of. But you know what happens when you go to Dachau or you go around Germany? You don't see um, statues of Adolf Hitler. You don't see statues of Joseph Goebbels or any other like of these Nazi people you know, whereas like here in America, they try to like, you know, Mike says like they kind of romanticize and um, celebrate like mm-hmm. con- the Confederacy. And it's like, and they're like, oh, it's a reminder of our past. It shows us how far we've come from it. And I'm like, all right, you're showing the enslavers. Uh, you're showing the um traitors because they committed treason they wanted out of the union and it had like a clip i guess like chelsea and got some kind of special coming out where um she's visiting like these southern towns and or a southern town specifically and she's talking to like these like people in like their 60s and 70s and they're basically like you know, oh, well, it, 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 it was the Civil War was fought over states' rights. And at one point, like the one guy says, you know, they treated their slaves well because think of it this way, like they didn't beat them and torture them and kill them. He's like, they were, they were on property. Like they invested money in them. Like, would you buy a tractor and, and beat it up and, and scratch it up? Um, so he was comparing like slaves, actual human beings to tractors. So, you know, we're talking about like 150 years removed from the emancipation, um, proclamation. And there's still like white people that are, you know, of my parents and grandparents generation. I still think, um, of these people, not even as human beings. And that's why, like, today, we're still talking about, like, Black Lives Matter. And the thing that upsets me with the racism thing, like, I know, Mike, you remember me saying this last year when, you know, it was, like, late May. Um, yeah, because George oh, was yeah. killed mm-hmm. right on um, the day after my birthday. Like, 25th, right? And yeah. Uh, yeah, and we, we yeah, May 25th. Right. Um, and, you know it kind of, you know, like it always does, it comes to like a boiling point because you're thinking about Ahmaud Arbery, Ahmaud Arbery, um, whom the Justice Department, shout out to Merrick Garland, who was screwed by Tim 
Scott and other Republicans out of becoming a Supreme Court justice uh, before Obama's um, final year as president. And, you know, they turned around and did the same thing at Justified, mm. um, basically being hypocrites right after Ruth Bader Ginsburg died and, you know, putting on um, Amy Cooper Barrett or whatever the hell her mm. name is. Um, but that's neither in or there. Well, or maybe it is here and there. Mm. <laughs> um, Beatles song. Oh, before before we go too far past, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, you mentioned that the the guy compared it to a tractor, like uh, an object. Mm-hmm. He even go, he didn't even say an animal. He went straight to an object. That's crazy. Mm-hmm. Uh, but um, I actually recently during this week, uh, it came up on Twitter. Uh, I actually read the blotter, the police blotter from May twenty fifth mm-hmm. about George Floyd. Did you ever read it? Like, if you just read that and there was no camera, if there was, oh, yeah, 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 we talked about it last week. Yeah, Remember, yeah, I thought that the original thing they it, put though. out, yeah, it was yeah. like, it was like, oh yeah, arrest was, you know, in the process of arrest, like, you know, this man just happened to die, and then, um, no, no officers were harmed. Yeah. Um, and I it, thank goodness. It, it was yeah. very, very vague. Um, but this is the thing, like, you know, Ahmaud Arbery, um, Mary Garland who's the attorney general appointed. So he ended up having um, a, a huge job in government, not that, you know, President Biden and VP Harris are in there, um, indicted the three men for hate mm-hmm. crimes. So at least on the federal level, they're going to see, um, they're going to have to face some kind of justice. Uh, but him... And then, you know, the Breonna Taylor stuff and uh, her killing and just the the um, the the events that occurred, you know, when when they, you know, the details came out and then the whole country got into this, you know, you know, um, this movement and everybody started buying into Black Lives Matter. You started hearing Black Lives Matter from a lot of people, you didn't anticipate hearing it from um and you had all of these symbolic gestures um you know bachelor becoming black mm. who obviously you've heard on this show yes. check out those videos <laughs> um you had people blocking out their social blocking out their social mm. media for a day and you had the marches you had all of these things to like raise awareness and you know like we said there's people in this country that <laughs> could compare slaves to um freaking farming equipment mm-hmm. and we're still trying and and people wonder why we're we're saying black lives matter because clearly in a lot of people's eyes they don't um and I saw people view us but I remember I, I, I said to you I was like Watch, I bet you in about a month, this thing's going to be hijacked by um, some other group of people. I think I said like the LGBT and, you know, any kind of hate crime done against anybody is wrong, period. Um, Like we've seen the anti-Asian hate crimes that's been going on, which is horrible. Anti-Semitic hate crimes, which is horrible anti-LGBT crimes, which is horrible. You've seen all of those things, right? And those things are 
nine times out of ten done by sick and hateful people period and there's nobody on tv justifying our shit none of that so i kind of got upset because it had a point where it moved from black lives matter to black trans lives matter and i was just like if you're black and you're trans black lives matter should cover that because all black lives matter period because at the end of the day like black people get killed just for being black so if you're a black trans person you're just as likely to get killed for being or you're just as likely to be targeted by some sick hateful individual for being um gay or trans but also being black so like my thing is it's always it's always being like hijacked and then i remember somebody like and nobody goes on tv and justifies it (laughs) i believe you mike i'm getting to a point and i remember somebody they you know that anti-asian hate crime bill bill is like i think it was like part of like a covid bill or something like that like that thing got put through le- legislation, signed, seen, delivered like it was nothing. But you still got like George Floyd policing bill yet to be signed. An anti-lynching bill, like I said, mm. been on a thing since and and been done over and hasn't been passed since 1918. Mm. Um, and it's all of these like symbolic things. And the thing I say about like the the anti-LGBT hate crime or anti-Semitic hate crime or anti-Asian hate crime, like those things are done by sick and hateful individuals. But the thing with black people is things get done to us by sick and hateful individuals who are actually on government payroll because they're police officers. Um, And you never see people going on TV and trying to justify this shit. Like, oh, well, you know, like, well, our Asian person got beat up, but you know, like he 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 should have been wearing a medical mask, like or or, or something like that. Or yeah. well, you know, like that Jewish person should have been wearing his yarmulke. Like that trans person, like you know, you're a man. Why don't you dress like a man? Like nobody goes on Fox News or any of these other networks justifying that shit. Like I remember vividly and i'll never forget it i will never forgive like Geraldo rivera where like the day after trayvon martin gets killed and he's justifying it because he's like i blame the damn hoodie why was he wearing a hoodie like you you why did why like if he was if he wants to look like a thug um if you dress like a thug people are gonna treat you like a thug and where it's like people get justified and we've seen it over and over and over again where people get killed and you know they bring up their past like brianna taylor oh her ex-boyfriend sold drugs um and they tried to say that the boyfriend that she was living with that that that, um was was there when she got killed it was like trying to say like oh he might sell drugs too or something like that and that obviously got proof faults george floyd oh he's a drug addict uh Da, 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 this sound a yeah. third. The, the fentanyl um, killed him, not not the knee to the neck didn't mm-hmm. kill him. The drugs killed him. You're putting the blame on the man who died. Mm-hmm. They like, did that. Rodney King, he he was fighting. This is 30, 30 years ago. He was high or whatever, so that's why the cops had it, whatever. And then, like, one of the more egregious thing, ones I remember 
um i don't know if you recall this mike but it was like here in new york city um not even like two years ago maybe or even further than that just sometime within the last four years uh this black man elderly black man randomly this like white guy from somewhere came and like stabbed him and killed him you remember that no i don't i remember this oh yeah and i'll get up it, it, it was a random attack and it comes out like this guy had like a manifesto where he wanted to kill black people. Oh, like, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, thankfully, he didn't run into like me. And actually, I think the area where the man got stabbed was actually near where like Joel works. So thankfully, he didn't run into him. But the guy who actually did get stabbed, like the victim, the New York Post, which, of course, mm. is a very polarizing news source. Okay, I found it. Which came out um this week that one of their writers actually actually pushed back because the editor wanted her to write a um a very unfavorable but untrue story about Kamala Harris. But when that 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 gentleman, that elegy black gentleman got stabbed, the New York Post wrote like an article about it. And they actually talked about that guy, like his criminal history. He was a homeless man. He was a drug. He's been out in and out of homeless shelters. Like they talked about him so badly in this story about him getting stabbed. And they barely talked about the perpetrator, the actual murderer. And I was, and it's crazy. And I'm like, these things happen to us. Like they it. don't happen. They don't happen to anybody else. And I, I think that's the difference. So then when you hear like a Tim Scott and a Kamala Harris, oh, like racism, this isn't a racist country. Like, yes, yes, it is. And until like, until this, this country stops denying it and starts to confront it, confront it, it's not going to happen. And like I said, all we see is these symbolic gestures, but nobody's doing any kind of legislation or anything to actually try to, stop and expunge you know systematic racism and blatant racism and hate crimes towards black people in this country period yeah i'm actually looking it up now it was uh 2017 uh winter of 2017 um the man came from maryland uh with the sole purpose of killing black men because of uh interracial like you said uh then after he had a sword and then he he, he turned himself in and said he planned on doing more uh it was in times square area um yeah so that was i don't remember this i remember some of it but again it feels like such a long time ago 2017 mm-hmm. uh but speaking of local news uh i actually this is going way back to about like a couple like 10 minutes ago uh talking about the south and, and you know romanticizing it so i saw a news report about a woman who's 102 years old uh mm-hmm. She grew up in the South, moved to Newark in the 40s, um, bought, bought a house like in 1980, 102. She's moving back to the South. And she was telling, you know, firsthand account of her growing up in the South, the same where, like, you know, how you would have like a parade uh, for holidays. You know, the KKK were walking down, like, you know, they were the grand marshals of like parades in her town. Um, so this is someone who's you can talk to her today, you know, and her parents were born in the 1850s. 
mm-hmm. or you know, you know, 1860s and stuff. So it's like it's still it's like talking about someone from like World War II. They're they're alive still too. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I just wanted to bring that up too because it's still like it's still it's history, but it's also someone's lived experience still too that you can. Yeah. It's real. I don't think like the the more like we keep like denying the shit like the the less it um the less uh things are gonna change i mean you look back on it like the only reason people started giving a damn about like the civil rights movement is because um mamie till showed had an open casket's funeral for emmett till showing this boy like basically brutalized and murdered like basically the same age as my, my brother. Mm-hmm. Um, like if Emma Till would have lived today, he like he would have only been he would have probably been like Joe Biden's age. Like that's how wild that is. And yeah, the and- woman actually came out and said like it never happened. And right after they were acquitted, remember it was like a um, you know, Derek Chauvin trial, right? Remember, mm-hmm. it went for weeks. And the jury, um, it they met over, you know, they deliberated, like, you know, it, it was like a day. Four but, hours, four hours, I believe. Mm-hmm. And the, the Emmett Till trial, like, they, it was, the, the trial was shorter than some of our, <laughs> some of our episodes. Mm, like, it was only, like, two hours long. And the jury like de- deliberated like in like twenty minutes, and they said, "Part of that, like if you read it, Mike, and it's it's just astounding and just like tragic. Part of that twenty minutes that they were deliberating weren't even them deliberating; it was them having a soda break." Jesus, and I was gonna bring him up too, uh, saying how you put the blame on this is like a fictitious thing, but putting a blame on someone, like putting reasonable, like justifying why it was done. Mm-hmm. And he, this is what 1952. Do you remember uh, what, what year? 1955. Was Five. Okay. Yeah, and my parents were alive for that. Um, yeah, but let's let's read more about Tim Scott. I, I want to because we 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 just touched upon this. We just talked about this too about bringing up the past, uh, where and like the right not the right way but like a healthy way of bringing it up. So it's like it's it, this is what he said. It's wrong to try to use our painful past to this to uh just honestly uh, shut down debates in the present. Okay. So let's talk about that. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you, I thought it was, it's a good thing where all this stuff is happening. You'd think more so uh, first off social media, but also because you're actually like addressing things. Uh, that's how, isn't that how like therapy works? Like you bring stuff up that you were shutting out. So you should bring, you should uh, bring up things, not like, shut them out and just try to forget about it but there's a there's a there's a healthy way and then there's a uh, destructive way of bringing it up can can you help me elaborate on that i'm just trying to i'm trying to come up i'm thinking about it now as, as we speak w- what he said do, would you have anything to say about that like bringing up what's the right way of what's the right way of bringing up the terrible things that happened in the past like to move forward it's a, it's, it's, it's a loaded question of course i know that well, for one, the thing it keeps happening. It's mm. not like it just stopped and people are just like bringing it up. Like, mm. um, as 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 a for instance, like the Holocaust doesn't keep happening. Like it didn't happen over and over and over. It's it, it got nipped in the bud, 
and that's why you don't talk about it, but people still face like anti-Semitism. There's still neo-Nazis and stuff like that. But I think like um, racism just in general has to keep calling out and being called out and you got to call it what, it what it is and stop acting like it's something like it, 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 it's, it's something that doesn't exist or something that's different um, or something that's, that's not as prevalent now as it was back then so to speak, I think the reason why racism isn't bad is because a lot more people are forward thinking. And then a lot of people who are, you know, backwards thinking, they started to kind of get phased out. But, you know, as you've seen, remember the the, the slogan with Donald Trump, make America great again. Mm-hmm. So it's oh, like, it yeah. not only that, but it's like, so then at, at what point do you go back to? Because you can't take things from the past and then say, like, all right, this thing happens. Um, you can't you know, say, like, oh, like, America was great in, like, the 60s. And why was it great? Because, you know why? Housing, you know, suburbs would exclude Black people from moving into white neighborhoods. Um, and Black people and Hispanic people and minority people were, you know, left to live in poverty yeah yeah New York they purposely when they moved out they purposely uh distinguished different zones like where you could live and stuff and you know we're like and like I, sh- I should you not Mike like uh, every single thing in this country is like steeped or was some somehow rooted in racism like if you really took deep dives into it like, I remember me and my family, we had, like, the discussion. It was, like, would you take, like, an 800, um, like, a 900 credit score over um, $8 million in cash or something like that, or a million dollars in cash? And um, my parents, they were, like, I take the 900 credit score. But I was, like, you know, like, the credit score is, like, arbitrary, arbitrary thing. And it was probably created for the sole reason of telling people, like, even though you have money and credit, like you really don't because we say you don't. Mm. And I, gatekeeper. I, I, yeah. And I'm saying like, I, I don't like, I haven't done the research. I'm meant to like, so, so apology for that, but I'm like, that's probably how it started because mm. you got to remember now, like back in um, the red lining and housing discrimination and stuff like that, like black families weren't getting credit. So what did a lot of families have to do? They'd have to save up, work hard, save their money, um, sacrifice and do stuff like that. And they like the the money that like a white family probably had in credit, a black family probably actually had in savings. But that black family would get denied because, oh, like the credit score says that this family has better credit than you do. Um, even though you have all this capital, like, I don't believe you do. And I don't know how you got it. And mm-hmm. and I, I would assume, but I have to do the research and I'm pretty sure that's how credit ratings and credit scores and all that stuff happen. Mm, that's good. Uh, I mean, that's a really good uh, point. Uh, I always go back to the birth of like the middle class where, um, you know, you put money into post-World War II we talked about this, I think on one of our episodes, right. Where, uh, there was a great, a great, uh, 
example was the Stives in town, uh, where it was like right, just outright saying that like uh, the guy in charge of it said uh, blacks and whites don't belong together. Like the guy mm-hmm. in charge of like giving out like the credit and everything for who can live in this area, like openly said it. And he said it in a way where he was like, in his mind, he thought he was doing the right thing by saying, you know what, it's not going to work out. We can't, you know, it's not going to work out. You, uh, we'll give you this one. And they had one up in Harlem. Like, we'll give you this one and we'll have this one. And then everyone will be copacetic. Everything will be good. Okay. Um, yeah, and, but but then, that, that doesn't work out. Cause the then you, sep- the separate, but equal where it's like, yeah, yeah. That's we'll not, have yours. We'll have ours, but the white part of it, the only equal part is that we both have it, but it's separate, but the white part is going to be good. And then the black part is going to be shitty. The maintenance is not going to show up there mm-hmm. once a month, maybe. Um, yeah. That thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The improvements, um, zoning rights. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, mm-hmm. we, can talk, we talk about going forward. Um, okay. Uh, I want to say one. Oh, yeah. So then there's a hashtag. Um, we, we talk about Tim Scott. But let's talk about the reaction to Tim Scott. Mm-hmm. All right. So then a hashtag popped up. You know what the hashtag was? Uncle Tim. Uncle Tim popped up, and um, one of the people that spoke was NAACP uh, Bishop uh, Swan from Massachusetts. Mm-hmm. Okay, so he basically did the whole. He said that they try, like they, he's where he tried them, he trotted Scott out to be like the poster, like the Uncle Tim, uh, to say, "See, he says that we're not racist, so we can't be racist." See, that was like I think that this happened like last year too when he spoke. All right, Mike. So let's- Mike, let's let's say it all together. Yeah, Shug, Shug no, because yeah. what have haven't I said this, this shit like so many times on the show? Like yeah, they always, always yeah. the Candace Owens, uh, Kanye West, um, I forgot. Well, Tim Scott now is an example. They always trot out some kind of, they they always trot out one of theirs. Um, Daniel Cameron, all of these people to kind of do their dirty work to. You know, if racist stuff comes out of a black mouth, um, then magically it's not racist. And that obviously isn't the case. Like he in that speech, um, Tim Scott, he brought out. He talked about all the different legislations that he brought out um, for like police reform or to train, change police training and stuff like that. And every single one of them have a black name on it. And that's the names of the victims. Um, that's not my, that's not off the top of my head. I Char- actually, Charlemagne actually covered it on Donkey today this morning. And I, that's what he said. He's like, you know, how are you saying America is not racist and all of these crime, all these police reform bills, um, you name after the victims and all of the victims are black and Tim Scott, if I'm not mistaken, didn't Tim Scott say like he was, um, detained by police on his way into his office like I think not even sometime in the last decade. And why is that Tim Scott? If you ask Tim Scott, he's gonna probably say, oh, well, you know, they were just doing their job. Maybe they confused me with somebody else, blah, 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 blah. And like, but dude, like it was cause you were black and you were wearing a suit. If anybody watched my video, like these people, they see a black, the black skin you wear, the, the black skin you wear, it doesn't matter what you're wearing over it. Like you're still, seen as a threat and that's part of the racism that's ingrained in this country and that's why i say like things that happen even when they're not done by police you look at george zimmerman the shit he did you heard on the call like they had him on the the recording of his police call they told him not to pursue 
Trayvon Martin. What did he do? He stalked them. Mike, if you're walking alone in the middle of the night, minding your business, and there's a man behind you, like stalking you basically and asking you, what are you doing here? Like, and you know, George Zimmerman is obviously like a bigot. So you don't even know what other like antagonistic things were said. Like, would you, and then he starts getting physical with you. What do you do? Do you not fight back? Do you not defend yourself? And it's funny as hell because the, the thing that um, George Zimmerman got off with is stand your ground. So I'm like, was was Trayvon Martin not allowed to stand his ground? Like, mm. I, I don't understand it. And that's, that's the thing. And he only pursued him because he was a black guy. He, well, the, he was a black kid. But the power, like they have, you have the power to stand your ground. Like, first off, it wasn't as high. I don't, it, it was like the, uh, what do you call it? A gated community, right? Mm-hmm. So, so if it's a gated community, that is technically his house. Like the parking lot is his house. Is that what they're, is that the argument they were making? They like, stand your ground. Um, because I thought it was like it had to be in your house or on your lawn or something like that. No, nah, not in Florida. As, no, long, Florida is as, okay. as long as you're you're in distress, like in dan- in what they constitute as danger, like you can like defend yourself. But I'm like, he had a gun. Yeah. yeah. Like, so that part- you don't you don't know what his um you don't know what his you don't know Trayvon Martin's side of the story because he can't tell it now. But my thing, like, they made a whole thing about, oh, he was bashing his head on the pavement. I'm like, listen, like, you get into a fight with me, like, it's not gonna, like, like, it, like, it's 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 no holes barred at that point. Like, I don't, I'm 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 gonna have to beat your ass. I'm sorry. Yeah, um, it's who has the power. So standing your ground, Trayvon Martin was standing his own ground too. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's like it's where you put the power. You know, it's like, um. Yeah, I had a thought about that. Oh, just hey, but this also happened with the gentleman who shot up a car because they were blessed, and the music scared him. Right? Mm-hmm. Remember, the music was too loud. Mm-hmm. His mom actually became a, uh, um, I can't, I, I can't remember. She became a senator. Not only because a senator, because they said Tim Scott is like the only Council. senator. Council. Um, yeah, she she became part of some some House, part of House. government. Yeah, because it, she was like you know, all of these politicians that. You know, she probably reached out to her, like, they did nothing about it, about her son getting killed. And she was like, you know, I gotta take it upon myself. So, like, loud music was the aggressor, not the person with a gun, you know. Um, a hoodie, you know, like, that was the aggression, not the person stalking someone with a gun or whatever. Oh, yeah, you know, like, it's that's that's the basis of this whole thing where it's like the point of view is always from somebody else's point of view like like the fear is that's the whole thing and you know what i mean like yeah you could he could have the same arguments and he was afraid and he he felt scared for his life and then it would have been the flip side you know i guess what it's 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 just like the tag the the subtitle of one of them pirates of the caribbean movies dead men tell no tales tales dead women neither because you know sandra bland like who's telling her story but I mean, like, I, I I just don't get how, and you know, going back to the Uncle Tim thing, because I know we we said we want to go on and on about shit, and we did this, but again, same yeah. thing like Derry Chauvin, it's like a lot to say because we got so many like feelings about it. Um, 
but going back, I don't know, like these these people, I don't I I, I like the thing I say about it, Mike. I, every time I see like a Daniel Cameron or Tim Scott or Candace Owens, I just don't know how you could grow up every day and being a black person and just hate like black people and do everything you can against black people and just doing like just helping white supremacy wield power. Oh, good. Okay, you brought it up again. I forgot. All right, so this is another thing that I wanted to bring up like 10 minutes ago, uh, but it slipped my mind. So people are getting defensive and uh, that word, white supremacy and white supremacist, like like people are getting offended or like, hey, like you're, like you're labeling me that. Um, but it, what's, what's something we could say now? Like maybe uh, if it, you shouldn't be offended because you're not one, you know? You know what I mean? No. Like, you, you no. know what I'm saying? So- no, I've, I've said I've said that too. I'm like a lot of people get offended more by being called a racist rather than looking at what they've done in order to be called racist and change it not. Like I remember some like I swear I remember somewhere somebody said like racist is like the n-word towards white people. Like the word racist is like the n-word to, to white people. Like just think about that statement hmm. yeah so people so all right yeah all right uh there's this what you know, like like how do you not become like how 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 do you not be called a racist stop doing racist shit it's simple it's so simple and work on it and do make amends and and again the same thing with race this is not a racist country like america like stop denying racism like if you stop denying it it will it will start to go away because people will be confronted with it. When you start confronting people with shit, they can't run away from it. Well, there's this guy in Louisiana that always pops up in um, Kennedy in Louisiana. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm reading his quote and it sounds like a, like straight up like a straight up like plantation stuff. Uh, they should feel gratitude, uh, gratitude being in America, you know, like using that word, that word right there, like uh, rubs me the wrong way. Uh, saying like, uh, you bring up that, America has w- wicked origins. Uh, like he's saying, like yeah, there's wicked or- wicked oranges, like biblical term, but uh, but they they truly believe that it's uh, wicked today. So he's basically denying the fact that things today are are not are not even. Like he's you know just the way he said it just just rubs me the wrong way. I don't like you know just for me. Mm-hmm. You know Kennedy, right? Uh, he's, he's one. Of, he's been popping up a lot more uh, during Trump times. So that's what's um, that's just that. Bolton. Yeah, in Bolton. Like I like I had not heard of like I've not heard or seen David Duke as much mm. as I did the last four years. Um until like because I thought like you know, I was like he's a president of the clan, like he's mm. like and he's still like around. Um yeah, but Louisiana is one of those states where it's uh, steeped, you know, yeah. uh, generational, mm-hmm. and it's a, it's a it's a whole different. You know, we can get into different areas like they have their own backstory, and uh, you know, New York has their own history of it too. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's what's America. America is crazy. Uh, and if you don't think racism exists in like New York, like look in the comment section on under any post about anything related to race in um 
just look in the comment section like it's 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 incredible um like the other day like after like Dante Wright got killed Aaron Hicks who has been struggling for the Yankees like he sat out and um so many people in the I, I don't know why I went in there and why I do it to myself but everybody was like complaining like oh why did like does he even know the guy like is he related to him I don't get why he needs to sit out and and it's mm. and this is New York New Yorkers yeah like then it's like you're talking about a Yankees player like ain't no like nobody in like Oklahoma is gonna like look up the New York Post to like talk about Aaron Hicks sitting out of a sitting out of a game so these are people these are like I, I like I said um I always say it when you know somebody complains about a black player I'm like North Jersey um Long Island Staten Island like all of them that's the Gary Sanchez is lazy and fat like hotbeds um but well, yeah I mean of course uh go down to go down to the Yankee Stadium during the games you, you see all that uh but hey well so, hey this is a good segue into the Yankees uh we're going into May yeah and yeah, guess what the Yankees are mediocre quite 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 mediocre and Mike I looked it up like the other day um because River Avenue Blues which mm. was used to be a blog um that I used to frequent for the Yankees. Now I view um views from the three one four. That's another great Yankees blog that kinda is like the spiritual successor to River Avenue Blues. But River Avenue Blues still has like a Twitter account, so they tweet about Yankee stuff. And they said and I had to look it up because I couldn't believe it. That like the Yankees payroll right now mm. is lower than the Yankees payroll in 2005. Yeah. I've read a lot about that too. Um, that it like, you, you actually tweeted about this too. So you make your point about that. Cause like, it's been like hundred kind of steady, but like you're not investing in, you know, just please. So I'll look at it this way. The Yankees payroll is about $191 million. Which is, you know, it, it ain't Healthy. nothing. But the payroll in like 2005 was like 192 um, mm -hmm. million. And then I had to look it up, like franchise value, the, the Forbes. So in 2004, the Yankees payroll was 160, 186 million. And the franchise's value was. $832 million. So the Yankees payroll today is $191 million. Do you know what the Yankees franchise value is today? North of a billion. <laughs> $5.3 billion. So that means the Yankees franchise value has tripled like six times, mm -hmm. but their payroll is still the same. And it's, it's a significant, it is, it, it, it you know, a lot of people, they, you know, oh, like, grouchy fans are always, oh, if George was alive, da, da, da. but it's, it's serious. If George was alive, like, when George was alive, he was actually putting money into the team. Like, the revenue, the revenue and the payroll were, like, at least, you know, together, whereas what we've seen since 
you know, he passed away and Hal has taken over is that the Yankees um, payroll has stuck around between, you know, it's been stagnant, but the value of the franchise has increased. And you know what also has not, you know, has stayed stagnant? The 27 World Championships that we won. Like, the last time they won, I was a teenager. I was 19 years old. I'm mm-hmm. 30 now. Like, yeah, baby boy. This is probably, this is, like, right now, it's probably, like, the Yankees, like, at least, like, third or fourth longest, like, streak without a mm-hmm. championship. Yeah. They haven't been to the World Series, and, like, the last decade was the first decade they hadn't gone to the World Series. I know. Yeah, we, we talked about that. Uh, but a lot of things they did was uh, invest in, uh, scout, scouting and uh, farm system. See, aren't see. their contracts up though? Uh, aren't they most of them coming up where they're gonna get asked for the money? So it, it might jack up. Well, you know, um, perhaps. But the thing perhaps. about that, and I'm glad you brought up like the scouting and analytics and all that shit because all of the teams, I think, I, I thought about it the other way. I, I thought about it the other day like this. It's like imagine you were a millionaire, right? And you went to like a bar and you sat next to like a guy who's like um uh like a landscaper or something like that. And he tells you how he like built his house from the ground up because he's trained in plumbing, mm-hmm. um uh craft handcrafting um stuff, um wood woodworking, carpentry, that's the word I was looking for. Mm-hmm. Um all these different things. He he's well versed in all of these things to build his own house and like the millionaire looks at it and it's like well you know i spent like you know half a million dollars buying a house like maybe i should build my own house and it's like nah dude like you do realize that like you can afford to do that you can afford to buy a house this guy he's doing it that way because he has the skill to do it and he's doing it out of necessity. Like, oh. I'd imagine, and I think that's the thing with the Yankees now, that person, that millionaire, he goes out and he learns, um, he, he does all the reading, um, watches YouTube videos and try to learn how to build a house on his own or whatever, um, re, you know, reads up on it and shit like that. And guess what? He builds what? A shitty house. Mm. And I think that's the thing where the Yankees do is just like you have the money, just spend it. Like the reason these teams are lapping you with this shit is because they have to. Like the Astros, you know, cheating shit aside, the Astros mm. built yeah. like a perennial contender over the last decade. But you know what happened in the first half of the last decade? They used to lose hundreds, mm. like a hundred game games every season, and you know the Yankees are not gonna do that shit. Right. And you look at Tampa Bay. Why are they so good? Because you know why? They also lose a lot. And then what they do is they try to find the best, cheapest player and get the most out of them. And it, I don't know if it's this money ball thing or, or whatever, but like the Yankees way, make way too much money to be doing that shit. Right. Well, that's a great, great example. Um, basically, you're saying if you want to keep it in the business side, you're outsourcing it. All right, so you're like with uh, Marlins. Okay, so they built up the farm system and then they beat the Yankees in 2003. And all those pieces were eventually, you know, went off 
to the other places like Boston and all these other places took the, these pieces that the Marlins built. They benefited for one championship. They could it could have been like a whole like you know run. Um, same thing with you know the Astros like they put the money in. So what you know we got Garrett Cole you know like that type of thing where like people that they they invested in while we were doing our own thing when they were like the when you garden it you know when you like you plant they planted the seeds grew mm-hmm. then the Yankees bought it you know they got it for their thing I get that's a great um I mean like look at yeah, it outsourcing it you know and look at it this way like cheating shit aside 2017 right mm-hmm. the Houston Astros go out and get just Justin Verlander no nobody knows. And at this point, essentially, it was a salary dump because mm-hmm. he had a high salary. Detroit wasn't winning, and he wasn't like Cy Young, or at the time, wasn't Cy Young, Justin Verlander anymore. And he was on the, you know, heading on the other, and you know, on the other side of thirty. Um, and they go out and add him, and then you know, you ask the Yankees, oh, well, you know. The Astros went out and got Justin Verlander. Why didn't you do it? Uh, well, you know, like, you know, we, we, that's as much money as we want to spend. Like, it, it would have been more money than we could spend this season. Like, more money than you could spend this season. You're the New York Yankees. You're making the most money. Like, why are you handicapping yourself? Because at the end of the day, highest payroll, lowest payroll, we win a championship. What's everybody going to say? Mm-hmm. We bought yeah, Yankees. They, they're going to also win. Not, not yeah, that, yeah. but it's like, oh, you bought your championship, so who cares? The only people you should be yeah, appeased yeah. in is us, Yankee fans. People that tune into yes and watch the games and go to the games and buy our favorite jerseys. And, you know, that's the ones you should be appeasing. And they've tried, like, to me, I don't understand why they've been, like, self-handicapping themselves. Like, 2017, like, I'm sitting there and I'm thinking, I'm like, Okay, we lost this series, obviously, we under unfair circumstances, but we lost, you know, this opportunity to go to the World Series. But all these guys are young, you know, there's going to be a whole lot of winning upcoming. And then the next year, they lose in the division series to Boston, of all people. Um, yeah, after that, they lose an American League Championship Series. And I will say, like, the 2019 team was probably the best Yankee team I'd seen since 2009. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't even want to talk about last season. And then coming into this season, it's still, like, garbage. Like, the, the like to me, how badly they played and how bad, how sadly they went out to have that shit carry, carry over into this season – like, you got to put that shit on the manager. And everyone knows I'm not, like, oh, the hugest fan of um, Aaron Boone. Um, I'm, a, I'm a fan of what he did as a player for the Yankees. But as a manager, I just haven't seen the improvement. Like I've said, since 2017, they've actually gone further away from making it to a World Series than they did when Girardi um was let go and i'm not saying they should have kept girardi but you know you hitched your wagon to aaron boone and to me it's not like oh yes it's working out in the sense that like they're making the playoffs like they're winning game they're not like abysmal but i mean this is the yankees we're talking about we have far higher standards and they just have not other than 2019 since he's been hired, like they've not looked like a championship team. 
And even when I watch them, like, in the games that they've won, I'm just like, even if this team is good and they move on uh, or they go to the postseason, like, we've already seen what Tampa has done to them this season. But even bigger picture, let's say they break out of it. Like, does this team even look like a team if they get on the field with the Los Angeles Dodgers? Like, the Los Angeles Dodgers is mopping us. Like, and that's because that's a team that has the highest payroll. That's a team that, even though they have all of these players, it's never enough. And the 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 ironic part about it is their general manager is the general manager who actually turned around the Tampa Bay Rays. Like, he's the guy who changed them. I mean, obviously, like, obviously it's, like, ownership that did it, but um, philosophically and on the field, he changed them from the Tampa Bay Devil Rays where they were, like, you know, a perennial punching bag to the Red Sox and Yankees to the Tampa Bay Rays franchise that they've been um, since 2008, Andrew Freeman, and he left Tampa and became the manager or, I mean, the general manager of the Dodgers. So it's like, he has the, the, and what he's done is he's done like the making good draft picks, developing guys, um, making good trades. But at the same time, he's like, listen, like, I have an open checkbook and I'm, you know, I'm, I'm signing guys. Like as long as ownership keeps letting me do things, like I'm going to keep doing them. Whereas with Cashman, it's just like, let me figure out the most cost effective way to um, win games. And it's not producing championship caliber um, efficient. It's not producing a championship quality team. Yeah, it's like he's managing. He's like managing something that's abstract. Like you, you have to have the players first. Like with the whole thing with Joe Torre, they say like he was the great. He was able to manage personalities. You know, they always said that. Like mm-hmm. you don't even have the players yet. How do you even? He's like in his Cashman is doing this whole philosophical thing and an abstract thing where you don't even have the players yet. You can't mm-hmm. even figure out how are they even going to work. How, if they work together, how are they going to work? You know, play together. So like he's basically just like you said, like handicapping. Uh, or like trying right. to trying to like he's he achieved so much he's trying to achieve something different like I'm gonna, I'm gonna win a, uh, the championship with like the lowest payroll we've had since whatever whatever like he's yeah. like doing like and uh, and, and, Xbox and achievements and what's know? our dude that's just something for you to hang your hat on like we 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 should win um and it's it's to the point like I, I like if the Knicks are on like mm. I'm watching the Nick game I'll flip during a commercial or during a timeout. And like watch during halftime. Um, a matter of fact, I would say like as soon as the next game done, like I'll switch over to the Yankee game. But even then, so I don't even do that. Like if the Yankee game is so on, like I'm, I'm watching um, MSG post game. Like I'm not mm, even watching yeah. the Yankees. And it's funny as hell because it's a random ass thought because I was thinking about me doing that, and I was like, I wonder if yes is like actually losing viewers because um 90 percent of the time they're playing like it's going up against a nick game a matter of fact even a one time i think it was like a like last saturday when the knicks were playing like toronto it was a one o'clock game and the yankees had a one o'clock game and that's usually the one time like they don't play at the same time um mm-hmm. and then like michael k 
during the Yankees game. So it's like, you got to watch the Nets. The stars started Nets. Da-da-da-da. And I'm just like, no, I'm not trying to hit our shit either. And it's funny because he's like best friends with Breen too. Um, mm-hmm. And they're like, you know, they probably talk off camera. I want to know what they say, what they're saying about it. You know, two New York guys talking, you know, talking shop. Well, Breen's a best friend too. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, I think a lot of Nick fans are Mets fans. I feel, um, you know, well, most of the people York, I know, New York, yeah, it's, it's different. Well, Knicks fans are just Both. all in New York. Like, exactly, we talked about that. You got Yankee fans, Mets fans, Jets fans, Giants fans, like, uh, like it's everybody. Whereas the Nets, it's like nobody. Um, yeah, we can get into that. Uh, I was actually reading about the Nets history again with like. Uh, you know, when they were Nassau and everything. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. And then, I mean, we had 11... the... no, and then we had the NFL draft last night, getting on mm-hmm. night one as of recording. Night two is tonight, um, Friday night, and then the rest of the draft goes over um, Saturday and Sunday. That's the late round, so people kind of don't really pay attention there. But what about night one for you, um, Mike? Who's that pretty boy that the Jets got? Oh yeah, I was like, that was, they drafted Jonathan Taylor <laughs> Thomas. Don't you? He, like, he, he looked like the the fourth, <laughs> like the fourth um home Jonas. improvement son. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah like yeah. he looked young as hell. I'm like, dude, like, he, like he 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 looks like a ball boy. But um, it'd be interesting yeah. to see what he does with the Jets. Obviously, they um didn't manage uh Sam Darnold. Uh, his his Jets tenure well, and I think when you pick somebody with like the third overall pick, like um, a quarterback, like you know you should um, do the work. Uh, his line, his offensive line was pretty weak, and that's why his injuries kept on piling up. So it's gonna be interesting to see what he does with the Carolina, Carolina Panthers. Um, him getting a fresh start, and then the Jets getting a fresh start because they have a new coach. Everybody knows Adam Gase, last coach. I, I actively feel like soon as he got hired, he was trying to get fired. Like he was like the dude from Office Space. Like he was doing every. It felt like everything. Like he was doing everything in his power he could possibly do to get fired, and they just wouldn't. Like George to George Costanza stuff. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Oh, what was Zach Wilson? I was I saw it pop up on my my feed. And I was like, oh, it's prom season. I forgot. <laughs> I thought it was like a prom uh, prom uh, promo code. Um, yeah, yeah. But was, one of the others, he was doing a hotel pick, the hotel mirror pick, and I was like, that's what I be, that's what I do with like my boys when 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 we link up. Um, I thought it was, I was waiting, I was waiting for the punchline. Like, it was going to end. But did uh, you see? Yeah, but did you see the um yeah. the Eagles? tried to screw us again the the eagles and the cowboys because yeah. it was interesting because we talked about it with um peterson um basically tanking that last game that if the eagles would have won the giants would have been um in the playoffs won the one would have won the nfc east and basically played to lose at the end because he started like the third string quarterback for oh, yeah, was... reasons. Mm-hmm. Um, so they did that and they ended up with the six pick. Whereas I think if they would have won that game, they would have ended up with like the ninth or something like that. And it was basically 
and then they traded out of that. They traded that pick to Miami and then took Miami's pick. So it was actually going to be um, Dallas, the Giants, and then the Eagles. That was 10, 11, and 12. So the Eagles or, or the Giants, like all us fans, we were kind of hoping for one of the Alabama mm, yeah. um, wide receivers, Waddle or Smith. And then um, this year they actually did this. Like it was crazy because, you know, usually or with like the NBA draft, like even though everybody knows like there was a trade, like they wouldn't show it on the um on the TV on the broadcast or the commissioner would still be like oh all right like Dallas drafted this guy but you know 10 minutes later you see him switch the Dallas cop to like a Philly cop um but they did it like on a screen graphic and then changed the stage and everything so it changed from Dallas is on the clock to Philly's on the clock and you're like oh boy here we go and they ended up taking um, Devontae Smith from Alabama who, who we wanted and like you know I'm sitting there I'm like oh man and Gettleman before the draft he said he would never get he would never trade back because he doesn't want to get fleeced mm. and out of nowhere the Giants oh the Giants are on the clock it changes to the Bears on the clock so then it came out, or, or Adam Schefter, he announces the, the trade details. And, and I didn't hear that Chicago traded their first-round pick. Like, we swapped picks, basically, mm-hmm. in this draft. I only heard it was, like, um, fifth, he was, like, first-round pick in next year's draft, uh, fifth-round pick in this, in, in this year's draft, and then, like, a fourth-round pick in next year's draft. So I'm like, all right, so we traded our 11th overall pick for three picks next year like all right i guess that's cool and i was saying to myself like the first thing i tweeted i was like well that's pretty nice of gettleman to um gift whoever replaces him because yeah, yeah. every mm-hmm. game you know me fire gettleman hashtag fire gettleman but we actually ended up with chicago's first round pick in this draft um lot in last night's um first round and then we have their pick next year. Um, so we'll have our own pick and we'll have Chicago's pick. And if Chicago is, you know. Well, the North we can talk about too, yeah. Yeah, you don't know what, what they're going to yeah. do. So we'll, we'll, we'll see how weird that is. So that, you, you're possibly talking about um, who knows where the Giants end up. But you're talking mm-hmm. about possibly adding another like top 15 pick. Mm-hmm. Um it's outrageous and I don't want to give credit to Dave Gettleman because the last time I did on this show, it was followed with the giants, um, basically getting outscored like over like three weeks or two Mm. weeks, like about 50 points. Um, but so I will, I'll say I'm going to give credit to the giants front office. They surprised me and they actually came out with a, with a coop. The non giant thing that I was following and during the week, not really draft related, but it, you know it is. Uh, Aaron Rodgers, mm-hmm. this guy's been on my he's been on my nerves for a long time, and it's funny that like you know he was drafted and he was on the bench and Brett Favre was bitching with uh, management and now Aaron Rodgers seems to be in Brett Favre's position now 
Like he doesn't want to play for Green Bay. I just can't believe a whole generation went by. Can you believe that? Like a whole generation went by. And I remember mm-hmm. that vividly, like it was like, happening, like, you know, getting old. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that's just one of the things I've been following too. Um, yeah. Well, the summer is a lot of like funny. It, obviously it, it was um, pre-draft drama. Yeah. Um, it was funny. I had a lot of funny ass tweets because one of one of the people said, "Damn, Aaron Rodgers street and um." Well, we could say the, the tweet was, "Well, we can say Aaron Rodgers is treating the Green Bay Packers like family because mm-hmm. you know oh, he has yeah. like a really bad relationship yeah. or like there or, or or no relationship yeah. at all with yeah. his family." Yeah, and then also you could say like his time is in jeopardy because he was on. He's doing jeopardy. Jeopardy. Now too. Yeah. So. We'll see where he goes. It's interesting because he wants, you know, he's getting married to Shalene yeah. Woodley, who's an actress. Yeah. He, um, he's segueing into Hollywood, obviously. Yeah. Like, that's his goal. So, you know, I wouldn't want him on my team. I wouldn't, I would try oh, to make the well, most would, out of him. Get, get the I, most out of him. Everyone, yeah. every, everyone knows I'm not high on Daniel Jones. So, as soon as I seen like Aaron Rodgers wants out, I was like, ooh. Yeah, why not? Like Kurt Warner, we we that ended up nicely. Kurt Warner was here for five games, you know. Yeah. Put and, in the, Eli. and the thing about the Giants is, like now they have so many weapons because they just signed um Kenny Galladay from the Detroit Lions. Um, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. They have Sterling Shepard, Evan Ingram, um, uh, Darius Slayton, um, Saquon Barkley said he's ready to go. He's he's mm-hmm. all healed up. Like they have so many like weapons, and God only knows who they end up drafting tonight and over the weekend who could also help. So it's really to me, I'm like, you know, if if Daniel Daniel Jones can do the unthinkable, and you know, not turn over the football, like the Giants probably have like a really good shot at like making some noise next year. And I'm really out for blood with Dallas. Mm, um, yeah. for, for last night Philly for last night and the final game in the season and then Washington for you know yeah other reasons I, yeah. I, I liked his hustle last year I like his freaking chutzpah I liked it Um, let's focus on our division first or let's just focus on that you know get get our aggression out on them uh, you know that's the first step then you expand to the conference then we can look yeah, down and, we, and there's some and there's 17 games and this is the thing I hate about oh, like right. the 17 game season Mm-hmm. So it's an odd number of games. Right. So the Giants next year they're gonna have more road games, one more road game than they have a home game. So schedule makers already screwed us, but that does give yeah. us 17 weeks to get things straightened out because perhaps now, um, week 16, or I guess it'd be week 18 now, or week yeah, so week 18. Um, 17 and 18, if things ended up like they did last year, now you have an extra game for the Giants to, to make up um, against, you know, to, to make up as opposed to another team having to worry about another team um, handling our business. And then in a couple, in, in the next few weeks or, you know, later on, we'll, we'll see a, a clearer uh, schedule and like, you know, but this is just like looking down the road, of course. Yeah. Uh, and I'm, thinking, other... I'm already thinking about like they're going to have us on Thursday and or, you know, like a Monday night and Thursday. Then it'll be off for two weeks and then just screw up our flow. You know, the scheduling is 
you know, the whole thing we got to worry about now. Yeah. Um, worst come to worst, we'll just go to Stu Leonard's. <laughs> Stu Leonard's? Yeah, on a Sunday. Yeah, <laughs> if the Giants are looking bad. Um, but the other pre-draft, former New York Jets, mm. um, Tim Tebow, like, he, he, he was working out for the Jaguars. And it's like, I, 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 I retweeted it, and I was like, I had to look at the date on this. And I'm like, he's still mm-hmm. getting chances. Um, but he's, they said he's working out as a tight end. So um, I've never seen one man get so many different, like, career opportunities because we've seen him going from football Mass, player, yeah. um, from, like, quarterback to football analyst to baseball player. Um, I'm pretty sure he does Bible study in a week and shares his um, church bake sales. Uh, he, he's a man of many, many hats. Uh, so. and, and he's been around for all these other things that, you know, when he was a Gator and shit like that, like he's, he has all these stories with these other individuals, you know, you know, it's like, scandalous. Dude, it's like, dude, I mean, like, um, Deion Sanders, like he just became like the head coach of, um, I think it's Jackson state. So I'm like, at this point, like, isn't there some kind of like mid-major like football college coach? Um, job that Tim Tebow could take or something like, yeah. I just do that. Like, have yeah, your second thing. I mean, and, and he, and it, it ain't to say like, remember, he's like a very motivational person. Like, my mom loves him. That's the only reason. Like, she's a Jets fan. Ironically, is because that mm-hmm. one year he got traded to the Jets because he's a he's a Christian. Um, so I, I I don't know. I just don't see how I like. How old is he? He, he got to be like in his 30. Yeah. And it's just like, dude, like, they, and they said like his, his like 40 time um, in his draft combine was like bad. So it's like, dude, it's probably you and you haven't played football in so long that it's probably even worse. Um, but we'll see how that goes. Uh, I, I'm, oh, yeah. I'm pretty sure like, you know, I wouldn't be surprised like, in a year or two, like he's playing in like the NBA G League or something. Like Tim Debo's, you know, he played small forward on like his middle school basketball team. So let's give him that shot. Yeah, he's thirty three. Uh, but yeah, he can always just he, he can go overseas and uh, do inspirational things when he can go overseas again because you know he he does the whole pilgrimages and stuff. Uh, but yeah, we'll we'll see what happens with that. Mm-hmm. All right. So uh, last week we talked about Stone Cold Steve Austin's A and E biography. Um, this week was the second episode and it was, uh, Rowdy Roddy Piper. Okay. I, I was a big fan of him. So am, uh, very controversial character in the world of professional wrestling and entertainment. I have his book. I never got to read it. Uh, it came out right after he passed in 2015. Uh, it was based on notes and based on, um, accounts from his son and daughter who was heavily involved in this a project. Mm-hmm. The thing with Roddy Piper, he's gone. The first week we had Stone Cold who took part in it himself. Obviously, he's still living, and uh, that was like the basis of that episode. You would think that they would have less material to work with, but Roddy Piper was heavily involved in entertainment outside of pro wrestling. So there's so much footage. There's so much audio uh, of him that was kept. He had a journal. Uh, so this just at first glance is, had a very, very personal uh, it had it had a lot of emotion to it. Uh, Shug, uh, what did you think about this episode? I enjoyed it. Um, 
but I also felt like I had WWE's like influence on it. Like I felt like his his family didn't get to like talk as like candidly as they probably wanted to or probably felt because um basically WWE could like ex excommunicate you. Um they did it stuff, to his father. They did it to stuff his father. Because like and as there's one um particular part of it where I, I definitely that it that it was like clearly evident that it was like WWE mm-hmm. spin. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, we'll jump around. So we uh we, hey, why not? We can do this. So um you're talking about the 2003 incident on HBO Sports. Yeah. Right. Okay. So that's basically like the the last chapter of Roddy Piper's life and career. Uh, we we can start there uh, because it was very controversial, um, but he was still heavily involved in the public life. Uh, hey, we're big Always Sunny fans, right? Mm-hmm. He was he was acting still. Um, he wasn't reliant on McMahon and like WWE for like handouts and stuff, but his kids. They are around our age, uh, maybe a little older. They have aspirations to be in the business. His son is actually a pro wrestler. Mm-hmm. Uh, his daughter, uh, I think, was training to be one, but she's more of like a singer, actress, singer. So watching it, I, ha- I had the I same. Think had, I think he yeah. has a daughter in AEW, and that's perhaps why she wasn't involved in this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, Ariel. Oh, that's the other one, right? Okay, yeah. So Ariel is the one I'm talking about. Uh, again, eventually I will read the book. It's it's uh, it's a big book. So um, so yeah. So that lasted weeks before his death. He was still making uh, contro- He was still creating controversy, and that goes all the way back to the beginning of his career and his childhood. What I think uh, when I try to sum up his life, it was kind of um, like he was always looking for a home. Mm-hmm. Did you get that from that the theme where he? So they talk about his life where um, he was in like the rural Canada, like the plains, Saskatchewan, mm-hmm. Saskatoon, Saskatchewan. Talked about his father. It's it's, it's like a blurry uh, past. Like he doesn't get too specific. Uh, I've like I've heard podcasts and like I've read things about his past, but in this they just kind of glanced on it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but. Basically, they had a story of him uh, going town to town, riding the rails, uh, never having like his own uh, roots anywhere. Uh, he lived on indigenous land, like like uh, Indian reservations. So they kind of talked about how where every town he went to and every reservation he was at, he had to like uh, prove himself. And he was always in constantly in uh, fight mode. Uh, like he lived the life of like a lone wolf. Mm-hmm. But also in the wolf, if he was in a wolf pack, he'd be like the scared puppy, scared pup, like just barking. Mm-hmm. And that's where you get to where he's one of the greatest talkers of all time. Uh, what did you think about all the uh, promos and everything that they showed? Yeah, he was always like a great talker. Like when I was like introduced to him was during his WCW run in the late 90s. Because, um, you know, at that point, WWE or WCW, they would take virtually all of these people from who were popular with the WWE in the 80s and the early 90s. And they would basically build a show around those guys. As a matter of fact, it's like so many people in WWE, like so many people I watched on WCW and 
I didn't even know they were in WWE. And one of them, one of those people were was Roddy Piper. Um and that's the one thing I remember. Like he, he definitely used to get on a mic and he he had things to say. And then when I looked up like old um Piper's pits and him, you know, the the, the wild stuff like he did on there, and then in the two thousands you know, when they kind of leaned in on, you know, bringing legends in to do spots and stuff like that. Like Piper's Pit used to pop up on SmackDown and Raw every so often. So you'd get to see him then. And as we like alluded to, there was like this period where he wasn't, he was on outs with, you know, Vince McMahon and WWE. And then as with most people, they eventually made peace and, and um, found their way back to each other and he was able to be seen and heard um to you know by a whole different generation than who you know those who grew up on him yeah so the way he like he he conducted himself in his career uh really came really was born out of like his his pre-wrestling days like his his childhood and, and uh first time where he he left home so he he left you know what his childhood home his family and started living on the streets, uh, you know, being like a loner. Uh, there's that one story where uh, he brought his kids to Hollywood and he was like showing them like, Oh, this is where I lived. You know, <laughs> you remember that part, you know, like yeah, the different, yeah. well, she was you know, like the glitz and his daughter part. was going to, yeah, she was like, Oh, we're going to go to see like the Chinese theater and the Hollywood sign. And he's like, no, I'm taking your skid row. Or no, it was Compton. Yeah, that, He's, yeah, she said Compton. I assume maybe he'd be all over, like, downtown L.A. And then also, like, mm-hmm. like East L.A. and stuff like that. That's why, yeah. like, it's another reason. Uh, and and it also, because people would say that, like, oh, like he was, like, this wild, like, racist because of the stuff he did on the ring. But, you know, as we've seen in the show, it's, like, you kind of had to do, you kind of had to do that kind of stuff. Like, you had to lean into these characters. And I'm, like, if you grew, if he grew up on the streets of Compton in the 80s, or he was living on the streets of Compton and East LA in the 80s. Like, I don't think you got like a racist bone in your body. Like, it even had that part where, you know, um, he comes out with the bagpipes. And oh, that's yeah. one of the things we learned that, like, the reason why he's called Roddy, Roddy Piper is because he, that was the only thing that he had in his possession, his bagpipes. And he just used to carry them around everywhere. And it was just, you call, used to call him Roddy the Piper. Mm-hmm. Um, but I had that part where he went to, like, he was in the L.A., like, doing a show in L.A., and comes out, and he's like, I'm going to play the Mexican national anthem. Uh, he starts playing La Cucaracha uh, just to antagonize and get a rise out of people, and that's that's a thing with the, the wrestling business. And a lot of people, like, they'll play these characters on screen, but be far from the, the people like they portray. And then on the other side of the coin, it's like all these people are like play like these good ass, like goody two shoes, like heroic guys. Then you find out in real life, like they're like assholes and racists and, and stuff like that. And I always found that shit interesting. They always said uh, that like the biggest heels in the business were always like the nicest, sweetest guys, you mm-hmm. know, like Vader, another guy, he was, he was from Compton and all that in LA. Uh, he was like a big softy, you know, even though he was like this whole uh, big monster. Yeah, like uh, when he was bra- doing breaks, like people would catch him in the back, like reading like 
like Soyevsky and, and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so like putting up that front, um, he had the man, uh, Roderick Toombs, his real name. Uh, he, you needed that facade because, of course, he was like, especially back then, he was always the smallest guy in the locker room. Um, he was probably one of the smallest guys on the street. God knows what he, you know, he, he was living in youth hostels and uh, playing his bagpipes for money. And then he also said, they also said that he was doing uh, like, you know, stick up jobs to get money, you know, other illegal things. He had to do what he had to do. Mm-hmm. So he always had that dual life. And there's this one part where like he would be on the road for like, what, like three weeks, three and a half weeks. And then uh, his family said that he would have to like uh, decompress. He would have to like go to a hotel for a night and just to sleep it off and then turn into Roderick. You know, he had to, he, he had to turn into dad, you know, because he was, he was on high alert for three, you know, that's like traumatic stuff. That's like, that's like, like a war stuff. Like he got mm-hmm. stabbed like four times at like that one story where they said, um, uh, he was stabbed mm-hmm. and Sergeant Slaughter is like, uh, had to put his finger in the wound, you know? And yeah. then he like, he took it out and it was like, every time he had a heartbeat, yeah. um, that's crazy. And then like his leather jacket, uh, had the Teflon in it. Yeah. I'm glad you brought that's that up because I forgot about it. And that's, that's something too. Like I never, I learned watching this. I never knew that, that like he had like Kevlar, so he didn't get stabbed. In the, and that's why he was wearing that leather, leather jacket. Yeah. I mean, that's crazy. They always say stories about Puerto Rico it was wild, but uh, the Cucaracha thing was in uh, LA. Um, Eddie Guerrero's family were, they were huge uh, in that area. Mm-hmm. But um, so that's where he, he was, well, he was seen in a uh, big time promotion. He was seen in LA early in the seventies when he was in his like twenties still. And that's when he was also still living on the streets and stuff. But uh, apparently I think the, that promotion was seen in uh, the East coast, Like they would bring the tapes over to like New York. Uh, I think other parts, I think that's where he also got seen in Puerto Rico. Cause uh, LA had like um, the Guerreros and like a lot of Mexican Lucha stuff. So like Puerto Rico also would bring that over cause they were a hybrid. They were like American style or they're American, but like, New York style and like Lucha stuff put together in like Japanese. So they got tapes from all around the world. And that's why he went up there and eventually dealt with some crazy, some of the most craziest uh, crowds, the stabbings and the guns uh, getting shot at. Um, but, but also being seen in LA helped him be, to become one of the first pro wrestlers uh, to jump into Hollywood. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's as big as his wrestling career to me is like his Hollywood career. I, don't know, uh, I, I found was, that part ironic because Hogan and like Mr. T were like talking about how he didn't want to like do the job for them um, in WrestleMania because Mr. T like he thought of Mr. T as like an outsider because he's like an actor, mm-hmm. and then like I found it ironic, turns around and then he himself becomes like an actor himself and like acting in movies. Yeah, that's that's very ironic. Um, but I want to say, well, yeah, I want to talk about this. Um, so him jumping to Hollywood because he he was in a movie called Body Slam um, that came out like in like mid '80s, like before WrestleMania, and you know they rec- filmed it before WrestleMania. So he always or he was already proving that he didn't need Vince McMahon. Like that's kind of like the whole uh, dynamic they they had. Like the, the we even bring it up the show the the episode started with Vince McMahon doing like a goofy bit, mm-hmm. like shows that he was kind of like they're probably the same age no he was probably a little young uh, Vin, uh vince is a little older but i've seen him act like that 
uh, with a Piper. Uh, he, he broke character with Andre in that docu. I feel like he was on that level as Andre, where like they were like he respected him on that level. Mm-hmm. You know, where he, you know, now he's doing a bit about it. He didn't have his usual uh, uh, Vince like uh, you know character where he's just talking like he was a great great. His legacy lives on. He was like actually being like a silly. Which mm-hmm. I think that that means that shows a lot. But um, one of my favorite movies as a kid was They Live, and I you know I had this thing. Mm-hmm. And that is noteworthy because he kind of played himself like a loner, uh, John Nada. Uh, he played him he, like a loner, like a drifter, no pass really, mm-hmm. uh, fake name. It was like like wrestling. Uh, but the cool thing about that is that um, we got a glimpse into the the, the idea book. It's like me and you, we always had these books we carry around with ideas, right? Mm-hmm. So he had the same thing where it looked effortless. But he had a whole book full of ideas and like promo uh, sayings. And John Carpenter, the director, was able to look through it. And he got one of the most like famous lines in like an action movie. Yeah. That was like a throwaway line that he was like, going to use maybe. I've yeah. never seen a movie, but I've seen I've mm-hmm. seen and heard the the line, the catchphrase. Yeah, I'm here to uh, chew bubblegum and kick ass. And I'm all out of bubblegum. Mm-hmm. That's been used, you know, all over. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so that just shows that he, he, you know, he transcended just like pro wrestling. Uh, it helps that he was part of, you know, WrestleMania lead up, which was like the first time, uh, wrestling was seen at like this whole pop culture level. Uh, I think fans forget how, how crazy that really was that time. Um, you know, getting like death threats, like saying that it's fake, you know, uh, and this guy, like, he still w- bounced around. Uh, I think I don't think anyone else really could have handled that, because if uh, we go back to the '70s, he bounced around. He was like the typical territory guy, where he would leave on his own terms, go somewhere else, uh, you know, kick ass and do everything. Go somewhere else, use it as leverage. Uh, but this is part of that they they i'm glad they talked about it because i didn't really know that much about it his like whole relationship with rick flair that was kind of cool yeah so like um those two talkers and it was like rick flair was just turning into what he would be known as like the whole like jet flying guy yeah it started with that it started with him uh teaming up with roddy piper and you know two great talkers uh he didn't have to wrestle uh, which is crazy because I think that's what's missing in wrestling today. If you want to talk about wrestling today, no one can really talk, yeah. you know? So it's like, this guy could just say something and you remember 30 years later, you and do this crazy 550 splash and forget about yeah. it in a minute later. And it's, it's a thing that made like Dwayne Johnson, like The Rock, literally made Dwayne Johnson The Rock, the fact that he could talk. Like if nobody handed that man a mic, like, you know, where he he's probably not like this, you know, billionaire blockbuster actor because he had that ability, and I I'd assume he was he wasn't on this episode like he was in the other episode, but he's always said he's like Roddy Piper, Ric Flair, um, I just saw one in my head, Roddy Piper, Ric Flair. Um, Dusty Rhodes, like all these people were like who influenced how he talked. 
and you know he grew up with his his you know his dad and you know he grew up in a wrestling family so he knew the in and the ins and out of the business and a lot of these guys like he met when he was um you know a kid and and growing up so they had influences on him and I, i'd assume roddy piper was that one dude especially during his like many um the rocks many like heel runs like whereas like he'll come out there and like talk like say things that he knew you know would garner like a rocky sucks and you know back then it was probably rowdy sucks right so i'm gonna go back to like the actual episode uh it's true with this book where he didn't write it but they had so much notes written down because roddy piper uh he said it a lot of times he knew he wasn't long for this world he knew that he was going to put in his time and if you go back to the 2003 document uh interview with HBO sports he's like i'm not gonna get my pension i'm 51 years old i'm not gonna make 65 i'm not don't i'm not gonna kid myself i'm not making 65 Mm -hmm. uh he didn't um but even when he was in his prime in the 70s and 80s he was writing everything down so they have this whole like you know already just legacy written down in his own words um and then also um the audio they use in this episode was him uh getting ready to write his book Mm -hmm. Uh, so he died in 2015, but he he wasn't looking back. He uh, he was still looking forward, but in the back of his mind, he knew that he wasn't long for this world, uh, which is the tragic thing with uh, the, all the guys we grew up watching, the, the legends. Um, so I remember watching. Uh, I used to listen to Stone Cold's podcast way back, like 2014, 2015, mm-hmm. and around the same time, uh, podcast one. Whitey Piper uh, got his own show. And I remember this vividly. So right after WrestleMania, uh, Whitey Piper had Will Sasso on from Mad TV. Yeah. And, and Hacksaw was there. So he did like Hacksaw impression. He did uh, Dusty Rhodes. He did like, you know, Flair. He did all, and then he did Stone Cold. Mm-hmm. And then uh, Whitey Piper got a call like later that day or the next day from the guy who owns Podcast One, the guy who mm-hmm. runs it. And says, do, do not talk about Steve Austin. Um, they took they took down the episode. They took down all his episodes for two months. When he came back in July, uh, Stone Cold didn't bring it up. But Piper said, I apologize. I thought we were cool like that. It won't happen again. I apologize. Um, you know, I feel, I feel I'm not wanted, but I'm going to do my show for you guys. I love the fans. That was July 15th. He was dead on July 30th of that, two weeks later. Mm. So Stone Cold uh, addressed it in August. He's, I'm not going to talk about it again, but this is what happened. So that's a weird thing that happened right as he was, right as as he died. He was still creating controversy. He was still like part of uh, like the conversation, and like that's what um, that's something I remember about Roddy Piper is because, um, like, the new thing this year was what Peacock was censoring old wrestling wrestling things, mm-hmm. and Roddy Piper was one of them. It's like he thinks he did 30 years ago are still controversial. And the thing with uh, Guerrero's in, in L.A., that was controversial. Uh, they Live is, if you watch the movie now, it's, I'm, I'm, I'm surprised it's not like banned. It's very violent and it's a lot of the themes are like relevant today for, you know. So uh, that's my legacy to him, of him is like controversy. Mm-hmm. Uh, for better or for worse. Uh, I don't, I mean, 
my other thing with the peacock thing is I didn't get it then. Like when I was a kid, it was kind of weird. Like, you know what I'm talking about referencing like the black face thing. Yeah. You know, I didn't, I don't get it. Didn't get it then. Don't get it now. But um, I don't know. Uh, he did a lot of other controversial things too with uh, Piper's pit. Yeah. I went through, that. yeah, I went through all of them recently. Uh, one with Rocky Johnson, the rock's dad, crazy things. He said, um, was it provocative? Uh, Jimmy Snuka, of course, the Samoans, while Samoans, Rock's uncles or uncle. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm trying to think of the legacy in the WWE's future. So WWE is getting ready because after the show uh, airs, they have another show about them trying to find their treasure, the, the lost treasure. The goal of that show is to lead up to a physical Hall of Fame. They had this episode with Friday Piper. Uh, of course, it was you know, WWE did their whole, you know, they cleaned it up a little. Where, where does he, where's his place in the future of like a physical Hall of Fame of WWE? Um, he's very controversial, 2021 and going forward. Where is he going to be in their pantheon of legends? Barty Piper. I mean, they did this show. Exactly, yeah. So, and WWE was in association with it. And it's like, you can't really talk about the history of Roddy Piper. Um, I mean, the history of like wrestling, mainly the WWE, but wrestling in general, because he was a part of many different promotions without including Roddy Piper. And he's somebody that like is like culturally significant. Like you said, you know, they live, you know, I came here to, kick ass and shoot bubblegum and I'm all out of bubblegum. And and people like associate dudes wearing kilts or wearing like a skirt with, you know, um, Roddy Piper, because I remember International Players Anthem in the beginning of it, you got like DJ Paul um, and Outkast and um, UGK and Mm -hmm. in the video, Andre 3000 is getting, you know, preparing to, to, to get married, um, getting ready for his wedding, and he had on a kilt. And it was like, could someone, you know, DJ Paul is like, can someone tell me why he's dressed like Roddy Roddy Piper? <laughs> yeah, yeah uh, there's that one of uh, Axl Rose where he's wearing the kilt and he's wearing Timberlands. And I'm like, ah, that's going to be the uh, outfit for the wedding. <laughs> the yeah. Kilt and Timberlands, New York and the little kilt. Um yeah, uh, but I mean, like a lot of the like, uh, like I haven't even even growing up like before this era like censorship, like I hardly ever heard any of like the things that you could deem racially insensitive. Um, that was part of like his gimmick. Um, so and and even then I didn't even find it like you know offensive. Again, it's it's wrestling. A lot of the shit like you could look at like. Yeah, it's like wild, but at the time it was like entertaining, and I understood. Um, the thing about wrestling is you, or or the whole motivation for wrestling and wrestling promotions is you know you have to get a a reaction out of people. You know that's why you talk about people. Um, they use terms like people being put over. You know, doing the job catching heat 
all of this stuff. Like, if nobody cares about you, like, if you don't do something to stick out like a sore thumb, like, you're going to be getting, you're going to be forgotten. And that's why I use, like, The Rock as an example. Like, when he came out and he didn't really have much of a character and he was just smiling all the time, like, he was blind. And it's like, if he didn't channel a Roddy Piper um, when, you know, he joined the Nation of Domination and then became The Rock instead of Rocky Maivia, and he starts talking and he starts talking like all of them, you know, we don't have it. So again, when you talk about where's his place, I'm like, he had an influence on so many of these people, you know, he, he built a life out of being a heel character. Like he, he like Ric Flair, like they were probably the best heels because of, you know, how they talk to people. They got a reaction out of people. And I think that's something that influences wrestling to to this day and over the years. And that's why it's still like a booming industry. That's why like a Peacock wants to collaborate with them and invest in it and, and make it a part of their service because they, they find value in it. That's why Turner decided like AEW was worth putting wrestling back on TNT every week. Uh, so it's... It, it, all of these things, like they come, you know, Roddy Piper, he had like his hand in it, and that's why he's important. And another great thing that they touched on was um, being so great. He also wasn't the guy to pull the ladder up when he was climbing. Like the the part with Bret Hart, one of my favorite matches, WrestleMania Eight. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bret Hart said, "Yeah, he was one of the guys who didn't uh, shut the door behind him. You know, he he put over Bret. You know, um, you know, Hulk Hogan was." prevalent in this episode and he was like come on man we could have made some money like he's talking about money and stuff uh but they were peers he uh bret hart was uh like a half a generation a half generation uh after him and piper helped him out because he wasn't there every week anymore he was there when he chose to come back which was another thing i find admirable where uh he he saw down the line where he could uh all right i can go back there but i'm not reliant on the promoter uh i come in there for the fans you know for the money i can do this do hollywood um but the sad thing with that is of course 96 97 98 when you saw when you first saw him he's in wcw he had the hip replacement uh he shouldn't have been out there but he was out there 45 years old mm-hmm. uh taking all these crazy bumps that he never used to take bumps really he was always about talking in the 80s um and then we saw the clip that was really hard to watch. I never knew this. It was right before he died, too. Did you see the Rich Eisen? Eisen? Was that live? Did that air? That had to I'm, be live, right? I'm not sure. I, that, was the it, first, that was the first time I've seen it. I think I may have heard of it at mm-hmm. the time, but watching it was, like, distressing. Yeah, it was very hard to watch. So when he didn't have his body, he still had his words. Mm-hmm. Uh, then he couldn't use his words. Uh, the thing I take out, take from the end of it that f- made me feel good was like he find like people always say like oh how you want to die you know in your sleep he he was home finally he got his home he was with his wife in mm-hmm. bed that's like a that's that's a happy ending to me mm-hmm. you know if he in his mind was tortured and here he said oh I'm not gonna make yeah. sixty five he was always like the guy the puppy in in, in the wool in the in the wolf pack 
but he he had a, the most peaceful uh, ending to, to many wrestlers that mm-hmm. we we've heard about. Yeah, and yeah, so many wrestlers like they die in like a hotel room or they, alone. They, yeah, alone. and it's it's just like it, it's sad that he died. You know, with his family. Um, he obviously it, he obviously had like a great relationship with his wife. Um, one of the few people where it's like mm-hmm. you know in a profession where you're on the road like. 60% of the time, like, he was married to one woman um, for his whole whole life, had all his kids with that one woman. Um, so it's, 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 it's very eye-opening that, like, he had, like, a whole different persona outside of the ring. But, like, the one thing I want to talk before we, like, wrapped it up was the one part where I said, like, it felt like WWE had its influence because, you know, they talked about that interview on Real Sports. And, like, he was just being candid and it wasn't like he was doing it like oh i'm gonna ruin the business blah 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 blah, blah. he was just saying how he felt mm-hmm. and he was just talking about the fact that like you know you kind of had to I, I it it got to a point where you had to recognize your own mortality because there were so many wrestlers that were like dying at his age like rick rude that uh that year alone Big Boss Man and Macho Man and uh, Mr. Perfect just passed away and, and Bulldog. That that six-month period. Exactly. And that, it, same age, same age. Yeah, and all of those dudes died. The 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 careers that they had um, entertaining in the ring and stuff like that, like, it caught up to them. And he was realizing that. And he's like, all right, like, I was going to reach. I have to be 65 years old to get a pension. You know, basically highlighting the fact that, like, you know, I either have to act. And if you're acting and you're Roddy Piper, like you're not going to be starring and stuff. So you're talking about bit rules where you're probably getting like a couple thousand. Um, you're doing indie shows, signings, like we've all seen a wrestler, um, where they like, you know, at, at these fan signings and like conventions and stuff, and you're doing that, and then you're getting a couple hundred, maybe a thousand, because he's Roddy Piper. Um you're doing all of these things and it's like you have to keep doing it because it's not like any other professional when profession when you're done like all right i'm retired now i have all this money saved up blah 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 blah, blah. It, it don't it don't work like that and he was realizing like the only way he'd be able to take his family is through that pension and he's like you know, I got to be 65 years old. And he's like, let's be honest with you. You see all of these other dudes dying. I live the same life as them. So in all likelihood, I'm probably not going to live a long life either. And he's like, I'm not going to make it to 65. And guess what? He died at 63. Yeah. And it's crazy because this is 2003 mm-hmm. and they didn't start tackling it. Uh, it's a bad word, but like they didn't start really focusing on it until after Benoit. And that was four years later. That's mm-hmm. when everything shift shifted. Uh, and I was and I was something yeah. where it was like they they had to confront it. Like WWE couldn't mop that under the rug because every news story, I mean every major like news network was covering it because it's like this guy killed his wife and his kid. Um I like sent it to you because um New Jack, they didn't really get to cover mm. all of that on the dark side of the ring, but in New Jack's like DJ Vlad episode, he was like, mm. I hate it. He was like, I hate. Chris Benoit, like, because mm. him and Nancy Benoit were friends, and he didn't put the two together till after 
um she got killed that that's who she was but mm-hmm. you know that's something where they were they couldn't run away from so on our real sports or even when uh vince was on because we all know the famous you know vince and bob costas interview where it was very yeah. very um tense and vince was very oh, yeah and confrontational yeah and he he and right after talking about that or they showed the clip and the whole family or all the people are talking about the clip like vince comes on and he's like well i had to end our relationship because he was talking bad about our business and he he was causing a lot of pain and da 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 it's just like nah dude he was speaking his mind and, and clearly he was right because the poignant part about it was he said i'm not gonna make it to 65 did he make it to 65 no and how many other wrestlers have died before reaching old age so many yeah they left i didn't like that that left a bad taste in my mouth uh and then they had of course hogan be the his he had to speak for him basically saying oh vince is a very forgiving man like putting him over he's mm-hmm. a wrestling term like hogan basically saying like he brought he brought me back well yeah you know you 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 go back there all the time with your tail between your, your legs uh you're supposed to be the immortal hulk hogan you look like a goofball mm-hmm. uh you, you're not wanted by half the audience anymore and you still show up there because you're like you know you're hogging the light uh yeah. at least piper had uh principles you know mm-hmm. so and that's then he and then his legacy lived on because she's not on tv she's not on wrestling anymore and she's actually pregnant so she probably won't be if she did decide to come back it wouldn't be for a while but Rowdy Ronda Rousey with and I, I didn't I've, I've heard her say it before but it really was true that the she she shot away from the Rowdy title because she felt it was disrespectful to him and she hadn't even met him yet and then when she finally met him he was like yeah like I, I want you if if I if if I'm no longer here and the Rowdy the Rowdy title goes on like there's nobody better than you um ronda rousey to be carrying it and she talked very like highly about it and i didn't like i really didn't know like she really um respects that name and that title and she has so much pride in it i just thought it was just like oh like that's my mma mma nickname you know um but she she does wear it with a sense of pride, and I, I, that was something that was revealed during um, the the biography. Yeah, that was a good bookend, uh, the opening of it, uh, and he was alive to get the blessing. So, you know, again, Whitey Piper was still very very uh, on the scene. Like he was relevant. He was still relevant, and I can't believe it's been uh, six years since since uh, since he passed away. Um, that's what that's how I took out of this episode. Uh, I think I'm finally going to read the book and get, mm-hmm. I want to I want to know more about like the 70s and uh, 80s because there's always some, something else you can learn. Uh, and of course, this is episode two. We have six more coming up, I believe. Yeah, six more episodes. Yeah, so so uh, let's see if they uh, can keep going with this. Yeah. So next week is going to be uh, Macho Man. That should be extremely interesting because that's a person. Um, I didn't even know, I didn't watch wrestling when I was young, but I knew him from like the Slim Jim commercials and stuff like that. 
and later on in life doing movies and when I actually got into wrestling and stuff like that. So it'll be interesting. We're going to watch that and then we're going to talk about that next week. Final thoughts, Mike. Okay, when we were shooting for the hips, we're talking about the Biden uh, speech to Congress and then the uh, the rebuttal from the conservatives and Republicans, Tim Scott. I said it during the segment where uh, it's it's our like the topic is one line, but it goes way way deeper, and this is just another example of it. Uh, Biden um, first hundred days uh, has my approval. Um, I'm hoping to that more people uh, feel like things are going forward more. Uh, but you have like the, the rebuttals, of course, from people like Tim Scott, uh, the Tim's uh, the Uncle Tim thing. Um, I'm sure you would have you had a lot to say about it. Um, there's a back and forth. The conversations are, it's not a conversation. It's a lot of it's going back and forth. Uh, it's 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 not just it's it's so complicated. Um, I feel like if I said something and you you said something in response to me, then someone says something in response to you, and it keeps going back and forth. Um, that we can't get the mess. The the meaning gets lost. And um, that's what I keep feeling, like, especially with the way we intake uh, information nowadays, it's getting lost and I uh, just got to keep, uh, keep learning, keep talking back and forth. Uh, and then uh, yeah, it's, it's always, my final thoughts are always, always like this. Um, but with the Yankees, it's, it's, it, we're going into May. It's a long year. It's a long season. Um, I'm glad we had the Knicks to watch and I'm happy, uh, that we're getting back into maybe a normal football year, um, with, with the Giants. Um, so we'll, we'll have that pro wrestling. I'm pleasantly surprised. I'm pleasantly surprised with this, uh, series. When we first talked about the Stone Cold series, uh, I, I said that I was happy that WWE was using third parties for their projects because, as we've seen, Stone Cold is one of those guys, like Piper, who has his own terms. Uh, he comes back every so often, but he also has his own. He has his own um, thing going on, so he doesn't feel that he needs to sugarcoat anything. Whitey Piper, of course, isn't here with us anymore. So even though they said a lot of things that I'm surprised they aired. Uh, of course, WWE had their hand in it. Um, that's always the case. Going forward, that's one of the lenses I'm going to be watching these docu's episodes uh, through. And Macho Man, one of my favorites of all time. Very controversial behind the scenes, too. Um, I'm looking forward to that. And um, I feel like um, I feel like the next few weeks, it's episode 50. Uh, it's not a full year. That's in June, but um, I feel like uh, this was a good episode. The the flow of it, very more organic. I hope to hear from everyone who's listening what they think about it, because um, I think this show, uh, the next fifty, could be like this or it could change again, and that's what I'm excited about finding out. Yeah. So episode fifty. I'm glad we made it here I'm for the people who've been with us from the beginning, people who just started listening. Um, 
we got so much content. We talked about a lot of stuff. Um, that's why when we talk about certain topics, it's like, you know, you hear me say, like I said, mm-hmm. or you remember me saying this, because a, a lot of stuff, it, it, it reverberates and it's like recurring. Um, Biden, you know, he said in his um, victory speech after being elected and said, you know, black people, you have my back and I'm going to have yours because we all know Philadelphia, primarily uh, a, a substantial black city, um, the state of Georgia, Atlanta, substantial black city. Those were probably the things that like put him over. So, you know, like I said, I, I'm, I don't need any more gestures or any more talk, any actual action. Um, so all the stuff like they've done for other people, we've seen them do a lot for immigrants, a lot for the LGBT crowd. We've just seen them do the, the um, Asian hate crime to try to circumvent that. And, you know, like, make the funniest, I mean, not funny, but like the ironic thing. I remember there was like a tweet, you know, when there was a hashtag stop Asian hate. Um, or it still is because, you know, we're still fighting it. There was like, if you notice, they haven't all lives matter that. And they haven't, you know, stop all hate that. So it's an interesting thing to follow. And when I say these things, I'm not saying like, I'm like, all right, like I support these Asian hate crimes. This is very much quite the opposite. I'm just saying like the same way other people get, you know, fought for, you know, black people should get fought for. And it needs to be actual substantial, you know, things of substance and not these gestures like, oh, I'm going to you know, black out my profile picture for a day and put Black Lives Matter in my um, Twitter bio and stuff like that and think I've done something. We're talking about actual changes. So we need people like VP Harris and people like Tim Scott, where it's like, all right, dude, you're a black man in power, but you can't keep denying racism. That doesn't help fight. fight. That doesn't help... Um, you know, throw water on a fire. If anything, it just makes it like engulf anymore and emblazon it even more. So I, I need him to do more helping and a lot less hurting. Um, sports, man, Giants, uh, Gettleman surprised me. Um, it'll be interesting to see if he does anything else during this draft. Um, I think we had like a really good free agency period. Uh, so I'm excited for next season. We were close this year, but we were bad. I think, you know, if Daniel Jones has like a big step forward and, you know, takes care of the ball, like um, we could definitely make some noise, not only in the NFC, but also, I mean, not only in the NFC East, but also in the NFC in the conference. And from there, we'll see where it goes. Um, Yankees, it's April. So I try not to get too, um, you know, malcontent with how we're doing because I've seen, I've seen there's been Yankee teams that have started off bad and have turned it around, but I just feel like those are usually coming out off of years that they were pretty good. And 2020, you've seen me and Joel talk about it in the postseason, and you know the last the last season just wasn't really good, and it seems like there's a carryover 
Um, we've lost a ton of games to Tampa and Toronto. And in all likelihood, those are the two teams that we're going to have to like compete with all year. Um, so we'll see how things go. Um, whether there's a sense of urgency, I hope like it bounced back and I hope like the non-hitting that they're doing and these errors on the field are just small sample sizes and things that will be like turned around um in time. Uh keep watching the Knicks. Uh like maybe by next week when we do the show, like the Knicks will clinch a playoff spot. We could talk about that a little bit more. Um Roddy Piper very substantial figure in wrestling history um i followed him and it was cool to see his family and learn different things about him that we didn't know and how respected he was by his peers and um so again like just to uh back up what mike said you know we'll see how this episode comes out y'all let us know with like you know that quick fire um way of doing things in our first segment you know in the first segment was the way we should do things or if we should do full-blown segments for everything like we've been doing and not change up the um not change up the the formula uh check out youtube dropped a whole bunch of videos a video actually dropped today we dropped the video of our sports fan or sports dream jobs uh, so check that out. Um, I had the video that I did promise where I would tell the story about my interactions with the police. Um, and I, I really want people like if you've had interactions with the police and I want to share your story to let us know. But this has been episode 50, 50 coming out your stereo. And I'm glad to be here with my boy, Mike. Another thing I didn't mention in the beginning, and that's why we do these show or do these shows this way, and that's why we talk so much, is because me and Mike used to work together, um, and every day basically it would just be me and him, and it wasn't like the most busiest place, so we would conversate like all day about different topics and stuff, and. You know, since we couldn't physically be, you know, see each other and speak to each other, we've learned to do it in this outlet and share it with you guys. And that's why things are done that way. And I'm so glad that we've done 50 of these already. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's casual, like how we used to do it. But also me and him, uh, you know, me and Shook, we talk, uh, we like to mix our creative side, too. So mm-hmm. this is like the the best of both worlds put together, and it's been fifty of them, and fifty more or plus more, more of that because we have non uh, episode videos up there too. No, no yeah. we, I want to do fifty thousand more well, episode fifty thousand. We're we're aiming for it, and maybe that that show will be on like NBC after yeah, Jimmy Fallon or something or primetime. Who knows? Sky's the limits. But, you know, we thank the people that support. And if you all listen to this video, please share. Please share. Please share. That's all I ask. It doesn't cost anything. If you like it, maybe other people like it. Even if you don't like it, maybe somebody you know would like it. And that's all we ask. So this has been Shug Me The Mooney. Shug Me The Mooney. Shug Me The Mooney.